one of the things that I did there was reach out to operators at water and wastewater treatment plants uh, across the United States. And I offered in return for half an hour of their time that I would donate or my company would donate um, 20 bucks um, to a uh, water-based uh, nonprofit, um, which seemed to be a really great way for people to understand that it wasn't a sales call, that it really was a customer interview and it got people on the phone because everybody wants to do good. Um, and so that was a pretty, I wouldn't say that's no budget, but it was a pretty inexpensive way about getting some of these people's time that are otherwise super busy trying to operate those water treatment plants. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. Savon, welcome to the What Are We Talking About podcast. Very excited to have you. I I'm have, excited to be here. <laughs> good. And I'm excited for this conversation. I think it's going to be really interesting uh, for many reasons. I have come across you and your work over the last probably at least five years because I've seen you present in front of the Imagine H2O judging panel twice. And then, of course, have followed your career since. And it's been an, an absolute pleasure to watch you grow in the water industry and sort of grow in parallel paths. So thank you for joining. Thanks. And my pleasure. I've, I've honestly, uh, I can say the same, um, whether you call that following your path or professional stalking, either way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely been, been seeing that you've been in a parallel trajectory yes. um, with the water companies that I've been working on and that you've been working on. So that's been really neat. So I'm glad to finally get to the chat. Yeah, Savon, and I got to know you through Adam, and uh, we're connected on LinkedIn, and uh, we've got that Israeli connection. I worked with Amiad for a while. So um, anyway, happy to have you here. I think the first question we'd like to ask is, you were working with startups for quite a while, and now you're with Xylem, and uh, from a startup to a multi-billion dollar company. And as we joked in the past, we said you went from guerrilla marketing to the 800 pound guerrilla marketing. So maybe we can start there and tell us a little bit about, you know, contrasting the tactics and strategies of those two different types of uh, ways of doing business. Ooh, that is uh, quite, <laughs> quite the uh, question to, to bite off at the, <laughs> to get, to kick things off. But um you know, I would say the biggest thing is obviously when you're a startup company um, and you're operating on a shoestring budget and shoestring might even be an overstatement, let's just say no budget, um, <laughs> you know, that you're really trying to figure out how you can stretch your efforts as far as possible um, because really you're building something completely brand new that nobody's ever heard of and you want to get as much brand recognition and as much traction in the market as you possibly can for as little um, money and resources as possible. So you have to be really, really, really creative. Um, and I would say the main difference between that and then now being at Enzylum is that you have all the resources. Uh, I don't want to say in the world because everybody's resource constrained in some way, but um, you have a lot more resources available to you. Uh, something that's surprising to me has been you still have to seek them out 
and, um, you know, put them to use. So they're there, they're available, but you still have to um, know that they're available and figure out how you want to utilize them. One of the things you mentioned in our prep call around the, the startup marketing, and you mentioned some of those, the tactics and getting creative and innovative. Let's, let's start there. So I want to hear, sort of put your like startup founder hat on for a second and tell us about some of the things that you used to do in order to sell the story of the companies that you were working for or that you had founded uh, when you're on a shoestring budget. Uh, sure. I'll tell you about some of the ones that are appropriate for public. Consumption. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of things that, that I used to do anything from uh, just figuring out how do you do a voice of customer? You know, a voice of customer could be a huge effort where you're bringing in like a McKinsey or a big consulting firm and DLG and Alpha Insights and all of those things. You don't have that kind of a budget when you're when you're a startup. And so, you know, I think to myself, how do I go about getting a voice of customer where the customer feels like I'm really trying to get impartial information from them and it's not a sales pitch? Because honestly, I wasn't trying to do a sales pitch at the time. Sure, you want to get in front of as many people as possible, but I really just wanted to get their, their feedback. Um, and so one of the things that I did there was reach out to operators at water and wastewater treatment plants uh, across the United States. And I offered in return for half an hour of their time that I would donate or my company would donate um, 20 bucks um, to a, a water-based uh, nonprofit, um, which seemed to be a really great way for people to understand that it wasn't a sales call but it really was a customer interview and it got people on the phone because everybody wants to do good. Um, and so that was a pretty, I wouldn't say that's no budget, but it was a pretty inexpensive way about getting some of these people's time that are otherwise super busy trying to operate those water treatment plants. Um, so that was, that was one of them. You also yeah, one mentioned, of the other ones you talk, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You were probably about to ask the same one, Jim, go for it. Yeah one, yeah. one of the other ones that you told us about was pretty interesting how you participated at trade conferences. I really was intrigued by your strategies around that. Yeah. Um, so another way, yeah, that, that's actually, that was a really good one. I would highly suggest that for anybody because that was a definite no cost option. Um, so another thing that I did pretty frequently was volunteer my time. Um, instead of asking for people to volunteer their time, I would volunteer my time. Um, and participate in all different kinds of subcommittees on technology or on innovation at different trade organizations. And so that could be like the American Water Works Association um, or ACE or, you know, whatever it, it might be, because there's specific regional ones, not only national ones. And the regional ones might honestly have some of your customers that are more, um, you know, focused in your beachhead market. So it, it, sometimes it's better to look regional than, than national. And I would volunteer to be on those subcommittees. Uh, and that's a, a great and a free way to get to know people at other companies that could be potential customers or, or even acquirers, but you're getting to know them on this even playing field um, where you're not in front of them selling. You're just getting to know each other as people. Uh, and so they don't have their, their, you know, their guard up. And, and so you get to participate and you get to actively be a part of, of shaping the industry that you're in, but also getting access to talking to people and uh, organizations that you otherwise wouldn't really have the opportunity to. Um, so I thought that was a, a really excellent way of, of getting in front of large corporations and other, you know, other potential partners. So one of the things that I really liked uh, that you had brought up was the idea about a virtual tour of a facility that you had. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that strategy and that tactic of what that did for you? 
Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was really interesting. I've actually started to see a lot more startups uh, think along this vein. Uh, I was just uh, judging this morning uh, as part of Imagine H2O's Swedish fish tank uh, competition where uh, five different startups that had participated in the Urban Water Challenge um, were talking about their deployments. And it's interesting now because we're a year and a half into COVID. I remember at the very beginning of COVID, all of a sudden when things started to shut down, I thought to myself, you know, how am I going to get any more customers? Like, how is our, our, our pipeline, our sales pipeline not going to completely freeze up? Because in our industry, as you know, Adam, um, everybody wants to see uh, real installations at the plant. And if not at somebody else's plant, they want a deployment in their own plant. And then how are you supposed to do that when supply chains are completely shut down and borders are shut down and you can't travel between countries? Um, so one of the things that my, myself and my team did at the time was uh, what we call now a virtual site tour. We threw on our hard hats and our vests and our steel-toed boots, drove out to one of our uh, installation sites, grabbed a, um, you know, a, a videographer and film editor. Uh, and by that, when we're talking about shoestring budget, I mean my one of my best friend's husbands who does that for a living. <laughs> um, so he came out to the site and he and and he helped us. Uh, and we just did what we would have otherwise done really in person with um, you know, with a potential client. We walked him around the job site, we explained to him with all the noise from the pressure vessels at the reverse osmosis plant going on in the background, and we explained exactly what our technology does. Um, and we even kept the background noise because we thought that made it more authentic. Uh, so when it was edited, we we didn't want it to feel too commercial, we wanted it to feel more raw and as if you were there with us on site. So we did that, uploaded it to YouTube, and we started sending that link around. And honestly, after people got over the initial shock and uncertainty of COVID the first couple of months or so, our sales pipeline started to thaw out. And we had people um, internationally that said, you know what, that does it for us. Um, we're happy to move forward. And I, I would say it even accelerated our pipeline. So um, that was a, a really awesome um, tool. And uh the friend's husband allowed us to pay him retroactively after we fundraised. So that was really helpful. You're listening to the Water We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals, showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders. Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. What are what are some of the, I would say, maybe lesser known or interesting interesting tactics as far as storytelling and marketing that you've experienced that a vendor of a treatment or service should consider that they may not be right now? Yeah, um, I would say it's it's really around understanding your customer. And I know everybody says that. And I know that that sounds really cliche. And when I was talking about voice of customer earlier, like that's a buzzword that people that people talk about. But there is nothing more powerful than understanding um, your customer. And that's the way that you should be telling stories, like even the vocabulary that your customer uses, like. I see so many people, especially in the water industry, using all of these, you know, engineering terminologies um, or kind of more academic terminology when they're out at a treatment plant talking to operators and they're not using 
you know, the, the slang or the terminology that people use out in the field. And so that kind of alienates you and makes you seem like an other and like you're selling rather than being out there and talking to your peers. So that's something that I always think is really important. Um, you know, communicating with your customers in the way that, that they are, uh, that they would otherwise communicate. Like a lot of operators don't use their email all day long. They're not sitting in front of their computer. And so I've worked with people who say, oh yeah, well, I emailed so-and-so. And I will say in response, well, so-and-so checks their email every Friday. So if they do that, so that's when they're sitting in front of their computer doing office work. Like, why don't you text them? Why don't you call them? When I text message operators, I get responses back like almost immediately, um, usually with some emojis as well. <laughs> but, but, but that's a really great way to connect with your customer if you actually understand them. So it's, it's around communicating with people in the way that they are going to be most receptive, um, which I found to be, you know, to be really helpful. I really like the idea that uh, you said earlier on that you engaged with the local, the regional um, trade associations and not necessarily with the national ones. And mm -hmm. most of us, we join ACE, we join WEF, um, we're more engaged with the national, but a lot of times it's the regional um, uh, organizations that really can gain us better access. And so talk to us a little bit about that, because I really like that idea. Yeah, um, I mean, I was on committees with the Southwest Membrane Operators uh, Association with Samoa and then with uh, Cal Desal. So that's the desalination organization here specifically in California. And I met all kinds of people through participating in those organizations. They do everything from run education sessions so you can then participate and do um, some sort of uh, uh, courses that operators get to take or engineers get to take to get additional um, continuing uh, ed credits um, that count towards um, their job requirements. And so if you're the one who, if you're a trainer and you volunteer to be a trainer through that, then you get automatic exposure um, in front of a lot of people that um, regionally are, are geographically close to you. Um, uh, I also participated, like I said, in, in Cal Diesel, and I got to meet um, the CEOs and uh, the heads of water districts across the state of California. And through doing that, I then got invited to, you want to talk about guerrilla marketing. Um, I then got invited to uh, give a keynote speech at a relatively large conference um, in front of about 700 uh, uh, regulators and um, util heads of different utilities across the state of California. Uh, in California, there's, I think, over 500 water agencies. So it's pretty, pretty fragmented. Um, and so I gave a keynote speech. I was about 45 minutes long about different types of desalination and alternative uh, uh, uses and, re and source types for desalinated water and, and did that. And then afterwards, there was a whole day long conference. Uh, and so instead of um, just shaking a few people's hands after my speech or going to some of the open sessions for the rest of the day, I went and I found that there was kind of a, a breezeway in between two sections of the hotel where there were different um, courses going on, parked myself there with my stack of business cards. I did not move from that seat the entire day. I think I sat there for like six to eight hours and uh, had people come by the entire day. I don't think I had a pause of more than like five minutes of people that had recognized me from the morning keynote session. And they came and stopped by and chatted through doing that, got contacts at the board of some of the largest utilities across the state. And so 
you just kind of have to think outside of the box um, in terms of uh, how you can get in front of some of these stakeholders that might be otherwise really hard um, to access. And you can definitely do that uh, on a shoestring. Love that. It's, it's, it's such a great example. You know, a lot of times we, if we've been with big companies in the water industry, we're thinking about shelling out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for have our logo on the screen or have a big booth at a big trade show. And then there's Savon in the breezeway, right? And everyone's funneled to her. I'm sure that it helped that you told a compelling story when you were on stage. Obviously, people had to have a reason to come to you and want to engage. So I'm interested to know, now that you are telling the story of Xylem and innovation to the startup mm-hmm. community, what's attracting the startups? What story are you telling them to get them excited about what you're doing? Absolutely. Um, that's a really good question. And that is this, actually my story. It's the story behind, you know, why one of the main reasons that I, I joined Xylem, which is, um, like I was saying earlier, it was had a really difficult time um, working with large corporates because there's a disconnect between uh, startup culture and, and, you know, startup uh, capabilities just in terms of being resource constrained, like we've been talking about the entire time and, uh, and that of a fortune 500 company. Um, And so a lot of times when people from a corporate are talking to startup, they, they don't understand each other. They don't understand what resource constrained uh, means when when you're talking about needing to ask your friend to do something for you for free, right? <laughs> That's the level of resource um, constraint. And so um, I really wanted to come in and join this large corporate that has uh, so much interest in innovation and in technology and in sustainability and put those resources to the best possible use to, of course, you know, find high potential technologies um, that are going to help us as Xylem drive um, forward through innovation and drive growth through innovation, but also to benefit um, the startup community. Um, the startup community, uh, there's so many ways in which startups can benefit in working through a corporate, anywhere from understanding corporate uh, culture and how uh, corporate uh, ESG goals and how uh, and getting installations in the field. Um, and understanding how to scale up manufacturing and how to build, uh, you know, marketing channels. There's all of these things that seem very corporate, but if you're going to be a startup that's going to succeed and it's going to scale up, you're going to get there at some point. And so better to be, you know, educated sooner rather than later about what the expectations are going to be uh, as you do scale up. And I think we can provide a lot of that um, coming from, from the corporate perspective. Um, so one of the things I like to say is, is uh, I, I hope that I'm, um, being part of the group uh, that is creating the corporate innovation program that I wish had existed when I was a startup founder. Um, so that's that's really what uh, you know what I'm trying to do here. Yeah, well, you've got that 180 degree view, and so I'm sure it's helpful in both directions, right? For the way you can present Xylem and the way you can help these startups see themselves working in conjunction with a bigger company. So. I think you're the perfect person to be in that role. Well, it's not just me, Jim. It's a, it's the entire group. <laughs> and I think that's actually um, something that uh, that we learn. Uh, well, I t- have a particular interest in, in corporate innovation, obviously. But um, it's really important that the corporate innovation team um, is made up of both people that have that external kind of startup perspective and also have uh, the the perspective um, of the corporate. And so we have on our team actually a really great blend of uh, former founders and people that have the institutional knowledge of Xylem. So 
as we're trying to bridge the gap between uh, you know, corporate and, and startup within our, our smaller team, we've got both skill sets and um, perspectives as well. So that's actually been really, really helpful. All right. We are slowly coming up on time and I want to make sure we leave enough time for this final question, because I think you're going to have a really good answer for it. Oh, that, <laughs> that is the airplane banner question, which we ask all of our guests. So we will, um, we, let me pose this to you. Jim and I have managed to find an airplane. Mm-hmm. Behind that airplane, we are flying a banner. Mm-hmm. And you, Savan, get a tweet's worth of characters to fly <laughs> any message you want around the world in front of every single water professional in the industry. What mm-hmm. do you put on that banner? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, it would probably be take an interest in where your water comes from. That would probably be it because you're flying an airplane with a banner. You're having uh, you're having people around the world see that messaging, and that to me has been one of the most powerful things um, during COVID. Uh, has been the shift in mindset of just general everyday you know citizens around having more and more of an understanding about uh, infrastructure and where all of their uh, infrastructure you know, needs come from. I mean, just in the United States, we had um, the uh, freezing event in Texas that cut off you know, all of the electricity and all of the water in the United States. We've had droughts, we've had wildfires. And it used to be at the back at the beginning of my startup career that my friends and family used to joke and say that I must be in like the secret service or the Israeli Mossad or something because they could not comprehend what that meant that I was working in water technology or working for a water startup that had no real meaning for them. And close friends of mine would say, I still don't understand what you do. It's been five years. It's been 10 years. I still have no idea what you do for a living, but they saw me on planes traveling all over the place. So um, I guess it seemed a little bit shady. Uh, and and through COVID, all of a sudden, you know, what is essential, um, more or less, and, and what, we've, what we've deemed essential, at least in California, we use that terminology a lot, um, has revolved around uh, water, around power, um, around food, around the real, you know, basic needs as, as people. And so I know it's a really long answer to the question, but... Um, it has totally changed the the mindset. And what's interesting about that, what's interesting that it's changed people's understanding and and their mindset is that ultimately utilities and corporations, um, you know, like Xylem, uh, our end users um, or the end stakeholders are, uh, you know, everyday uh, citizens. Uh, And so their decisions and what's important to them and the way that they vote and and, um, create regulation is what actually ultimately influences the purchasing and the technology adoption of municipalities, of corporates. Um, So I have found that to be really, really um, exciting, um, really interesting. I think it's going to speed up the rate of adoption of new technologies, which obviously in the space that we're in is is thrilling. Um, And so now, you know, my friends and family have started to think that my job is cool. and, And when I'm and when I'm at a you know dinner party, people say, "Oh yeah, my friend Sivan, she works in water technology. It's really cool. You should talk to her." Uh, it's the first time I've really had that happen in over a decade of working in the space. 
Um, and so I, I, I think that that's really what's happening here. So um, for people to pay attention to where their water comes from and have that awareness, I think is going to be really impactful across the board to all of us. I think it's going to make uh, a nice blurb on LinkedIn. I can see yeah. that one already blowing up for sure. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, taking interest from where your water comes from. It's a good advice for everybody, Savant. And thanks so much for being our guest. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it as well. <laughs> it's been a pleasure getting to know you guys better.